well, thank you for jumping on to do this. I'm happy regardless because I'm cooped up inside with AC, so everything is wonderful, blissful. I was going to say, this is a nice change from seeing you sweating bullets. (laughs) (laughs) I was! No, it was so hot. I couldn't, I could barely stand it. And I was always trying to muscle through and like keep a brave face. But like you would just see my forehead get progressively shinier. What was so funny is you were like in the dark because I think that helped make it feel cooler in that room. And you just looked like you were suffering. And I was like, oh my gosh, poor (laughs) I could see like one eyebrow, one like bead of sweat dripping from your brow. I would literally I could feel you know like when your body starts to sweat before your face does or your forehead I could feel sweat starting to like pour down my back and that was at like mark 15 into the podcast and I'm like oh (laughs) 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 like we hadn't even cleared the exposition yet (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) not have you thought about that pod last time have you thought about Diablo Pass you said you had dreams yes yes I've been having dreams I don't they're not very specific but I know you know when you wake up from a night of dreams and you're like trying to vaguely recall some of the earlier ones. I know I had one about being on a mountain stranded with a group of people. And it was snowing. (laughs) Yes. But they were, but they were like a couple of people from my high school. Like it was just the most bizarre. And I really can't remember much else Mm -hmm. about it, but. um, Well, you've had camping experiences with people from your high school, right? Because you told me about that thing that your school does. Mm -hmm. Outward bound. Outward bound. They just drop you off in the woods? Oh, yeah. That, in order to graduate, you had to complete a week with um, people they divided up. So my school was small enough. My graduating class was small enough that the um, teachers knew enough about the cliques to know, like, who was friends and who wasn't. It's disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, our senior year, they purposely split up people into smaller groups that they knew did not really get along well or didn't know each oh, other so they, very well. Oh, so their intention of, like, splitting guys up. Got it. Yes. And the then you were spending a week out in the woods in North Carolina, and the big deal was that one of the nights you had to do solo night where they just drop you off one by one in the middle of the woods. The, you were abused by adults is what I mean <laughs> <laughs> as a high schooler. Drop you off solo in the woods? Oh, yeah. And, like, there was one year where some kid got, like, frostbite. It was it was abuse. Oh, my God. That's that's actually insane. I remember you telling me I about know. the frostbite story. But I yeah. – wow. So did you have to sign waivers and everything for it? Like, were, was consent given by parents? Like, something had to happen. I have absolutely no idea. They were like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Take them up to the mountains. Did you feel scared? Did you feel nervous doing it? Or were you were you gone home? I... You were good? I actually, I knew who was going to be, so you knew who your um, advisor was going to be. So you, each group had a teacher from the school too, that was like assigned to them. And mm-hmm. mine happened to be my cheerleading coach. So I was like, oh, okay, at least I like have my, I didn't know you my, did cheer. Like, Baby, you're looking at the captain. Uh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> you've never, you've never busted out a move for me. Could you do flips and shit? No. Oh. <laughs> tiny ass private school and we had one girl at our school that could do like a backflip like tumbling oh okay, gotcha. yeah <laughs> i was there for the rhythm <laughs> maybe i'm in it for the rhythm that's good that's i'm adding it to my list that's going on merch maybe i was give, there for the rhythm <laughs> give me a basement and i was there for the rhythm God, that's so funny. I didn't know that at all. I'm looking at the captain. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. happy to be in the honor and the graces of the captain. My goodness. Oh, my God. Well, that's very exciting. I, I do feel I feel for you about the Diablo Pass um, dreams because I think the first time I heard it, I was also having dreams because it's spooky. It's spooky. And we're never going to know. We're never going to know the answer to it. If you haven't listened to that. Oh, also. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Creep Time, the podcast. <laughs> We should start keeping track of how long we go before we could we go an entire episode. We did last time. We went to an entire episode, episode before the end of it, and I was like, "So let's throw it off to a part two. And I was like, "Oh, wait a second! Hi, everybody!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just a—it's a phone call. It's just a phone call. I know. I know. Oh, I absolutely love it though. But yes, hi everybody. Welcome to Creep Time, the podcast with your hosts Silas Dean and Stu. Hello. Hello. Um. 
what I should say to everybody, if you're listening, um, thank you for listening to Creep Time, the podcast. What I will also drive to is that if you want video content, there is video now on Creep Time, the podcast, I believe on Spotify and Anchor. So if you're excited about that, if you want to watch your podcast, or if you just want to watch solo deep dives, you can check that out on Spotify or head over to YouTube to listen to Creep Time. And with that, I'm going to spin you right into this story. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I did promise you because you requested an LA case. I'm going to have to backpedal on that promise because I ran out of time because I was moving. <laughs> so because you I were... found you something so good. I found it so oh, perfect. So excited. You're going to love it. Um, because, you know, we love the Missy Beavers case. So I was like, what can I dig up that's also from Texas? And I found Brandon Lawson, not to be confused with Brandon Swanson. It's a lot of Brandons, a lot of like young white male Brandons that went missing in well, like mid 2000s. Swanson and Lawson are like sister last names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. similar. Same town, same school. But oh my gosh. Um, I heard about this case a long time ago, I think when I first started my channel. And the case is made famous because it has a 911 call that is pretty well known. Um, but what I find to be. There's one part of this case that's um, really interesting and I think freaks people out the most. Every time I tell the story to people about Brandon Lawson, I go to this one part of the story where he makes a final phone call to his brother just before his phone is basically cut off and goes straight to voicemail. And he says something that I'll mention later um, that really kind of throws the biggest kink in the story because a lot of it seems explainable up until he says this thing um, and just throws the whole story out of whack. So... First, I should ask you, have you heard of the name Brandon Lawson? No. It's it's not the most well-known case, so I didn't, I figured maybe not, but um, there's a huge news story going on right now because they think they might have found him, which is crazy. <gasps> I know we never talk about these cases and we're like, it's unsolved, we'll never know, we'll never find them, but I I think they may have found his remains after nine years. Oh my gosh. It's being tested right now, but it's it's being labeled as the presumed remains of Brandon Lawson. Um, but we don't know for sure. We've also seen this before where they falsely reported finding remains for Mara Murray um, in that area, which turned out to be of another body, <laughs> which is insane. Oh, my gosh. So we don't know. Um, as of July, this, this summer, they're testing. So we'll see probably in the next um, couple of months. It's really hard to test remains that are that old like nine years it's really difficult to determine manner of death and like test bone fragments it takes months that is crazy not to take us back to Diot love past but i also was thinking after um i like did a little bit more research when they found those like bodies later i was just like that is crazy that they how long it took them to find the next group of bodies yeah and back then how hard that was to do it's crazy to think that someone they're finding someone nine years later, potentially. I know. It's it's crazy to think, yeah, that someone would, would even still be there, I guess. That, you know, like animals wouldn't have like... I, I don't have many details on the remains that were found, but I would assume that he would have, he would have been ransacked by animals and maybe scattered. Because mm-hmm. that's the first indication of finding remains that are out in the wild is that the bones are usually scattered because animals will like drag things. But what's strange is they found his clothing before they found the remains they just found his clothing which is odd to me it's odd to me that none of this the, the oddest part about it is that none of it even showed up in any of the initial searches like when he actually went missing back in what was it 2013 i think um but they were continuing searches year after year in this area so why this year have they suddenly uncovered a body also, I'm getting so far ahead because we don't even know the story yet. <laughs> I was going to start asking questions, and I was thinking to myself, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, right. I'm already asking questions. Sorry, let me, I will tee you up then. Yeah. So I'm going to give you some, I'll give you the top line of the story just so you know we get some exposition out of the way, and then I'll go into a little bit about Brandon, who he was, and the area where this happened. Um, because as we know, Texas is a big state. A lot of things can happen in a lot of rural areas. Mm-hmm. And this involves county police. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the top line here. On August 8th, 2013, 26 year old Brandon Lawson made a fateful call to 911 when he exclaimed that he was being chased off of this Texas highway at night and he was running through fields on foot. 
Um, he had actually mentioned that he had run through the woods on this call, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But I think that's kind of eerie because the exact location where his truck was found, there's no woods around him. It's it's more of like a deserty area. It's kind of brush. So that's a little strange. Um, but the call was recorded and has largely been the subject of debate as to whether or not Brandon was hallucinating and seeing things that weren't there or he was actually being pursued. So there are some who can claim that in the background of this call, you can hear voices in the distance or you can even hear possibly firearms being shot, but it's not, it's not clear. But within the rough window of 12.50 a.m. to 1.18 a.m., Brandon also makes a series of distressing phone calls in this time to his girlfriend, his brother, a neighbor, and then again to 911. And both his brother and 911, they arrived to the highway, as he described, um, I think like Route 277 near Bront, Texas, where they find, they find his truck, but there's no one else near the truck. Like no other cars, no evidence of other people or struggle. And then right after 119, all further calls go straight to voicemail. And this was the last night that anyone had ever seen Brandon. And the mystery of what that call was about and what happened to him had persisted for nine years, but has potentially been closed as they think they have found the body, but we still don't know what exactly happened that night. Does any of that sound familiar? Or is this like totally out of left field? Like this is one of the underbelly stories. It only sounds so familiar because it sounds like Brandon Swanson. Uh, it does. Yeah. yeah. Brandon the, Swanson. The back road, <laughs> the abandoned car, the phone call. I'm like trying not running to get Running through it the fields. Up. Yeah, no, yeah it's, the fields. it's all it's it's a very very similar story in that way um and it's it's strange in that way because it also parallels the brandon swanson story because we're also not sure if what brandon swanson saw was real or not you know he talks about seeing lights in the distance right which we don't know what that was or if that was even there um same thing with brandon lawson but it's just odd that for so long neither of them were found even though there were these extensive extensive search efforts mm-hmm so let me tell you a little bit about the setting where Brandon was and just who Brandon Lawson is. So Brandon Lawson was a 26-year-old man who was from San Angelo, Texas. And I think that's somewhere south of Dallas. I think it's about 20 to 30 some odd miles. Um, but it's considered a very rural area, specifically um, around the highways. It's it's very rural and kind of deserty. Um, I think I heard that on another podcast. But just very dark roads, rural backdrops, and reportedly somewhat dangerous, this area. Um, the crime rate in San Angelo is reported to be 42% higher than the national average. But as mentioned, um, it's there's not a lot of opportunity out there because it's, it's more of an impoverished part of Texas. So Brandon is a full-time oil field worker. Um, he was also a father to four children, uh, three of which he had had with his long-term girlfriend, Ladessa, who he had known and been with since they were in high school. They had actually had a 10-year relationship at the time of his disappearance. Hmm. So, you know, Brandon um, was one of three other children. And from what I read, he seemed to have a pretty normal um, and happy childhood. Uh, he grew up right in that area. He, was, he loved the outdoors. He loved camping, um, loved to fish, and eventually would start to work in the oil field when he got a little older. But this is where things started to shift after... Um, his second, third, and fourth child were born that the hours at this oil field just became, like, unreal. Like, he was working 60, 70 hours a week. He had a newborn at home, and tensions were running high with him and Ladessa. And I think this is around the time that Brandon falls victim to substance abuse, and there's a huge uh, methamphetamine problem in this area. So... It's important to note that just because it's commonly used to debate whether or not what Brandon actually saw was legit or whether that he was just hallucinating because he was on drugs, we don't really know. But ultimately, that is the framework for the story of who we know Brandon to be and where his head was at at the time that he vanished. But what happened leaves a lot to the imagination because we have some evidence on this phone call that we'll hear that is... Um, to me, seems pretty definitive that what he was saying was true, what he was seeing was real. But everything that police, his brother, and an anonymous trucker who was passing his truck find is kind of counter to that. There's there's never any, you know, evidence of tire marks, people who were running off into the, into the woods or brush like he described, any other cars near his truck. Um, 
But let me dive in and just tell you a little bit about what happened that night, unless you have any questions so far. No. So when he was... <laughs> I say no immediately after this question. Um, <laughs> the only question I have, he was mm-hmm. just driving home on a back road, but he wasn't coming from somewhere specific. No, he was coming from somewhere. So we'll oh. get into this a little bit with like the event okay. of what happened. So what actually I'll, I should just dive straight into it actually. Yeah. Cause the time there's a timeline of it. That's really specific. Um, because everything that happens to Brandon happens within like a three hour window. Okay. So to give you like uh, kind of a setup of like what happened that night. So it's August 8th. It's 2013. Brandon arrives home in San Angelo, Texas, where he lives with Ladessa Remember, they've got the newborn home, and this is after coming off of, like, the 60-hour work week, and he's stressed, intentions have been running high, and don't forget, he has this ongoing substance abuse issue. And at the time, I think he was supposed to have been six months sober, but part of why the fight broke out was not only, like, stress between the relationship, but also Ladessa had suspected he might have been on drugs. So approximately between 10.45 to 11 p.m. that night, uh, this is what we know something went down, and they had an argument. Um, the full contents of the argument have never been disclosed. It was kind of private, but we know that it had something to do with her suspecting a substance issue. But he ends up leaving from that fight. Um, so what he does is, I think around, let's see, 11.30, yeah, that's when Brandon calls his father, who lives in Crowley, Texas, which is about a three-hour drive from San Angelo, and he told him that he's going to come to his house, and he couldn't stay with Ladessa that night. So his dad agrees to that, totally fine, but Brandon's got to get in his truck and he's got to drive himself those three hours. So by 11.54 p.m., he officially leaves the house to go to his father's house, driving his silver Ford F-150. I could barely say that just now. <laughs> I was going to say, I know exactly. Like, I was, as you said, his silver Ford, I was like, F-150. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just figured, since you said he was in hunting and fishing. Yeah, yeah, foreign language to me. I guess every, everyone in this area really has a pickup. I mean, visiting mm-hmm. Texas this past year, everybody really does have a truck. Mm-hmm. Like, you're odd one out. I was odd one out driving my Prius. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, I'm just, like, bouncing around in, like, Tyler, Texas, like, going to museums and, like, getting brisket. <laughs> People are giving me the side eye. In your Prius. In my Prius. Hey, that thing has gotten me across the country a couple of times. I can rely I on know. her. I know. She's good. I knew somebody who called their Prius Patty LaPrius. Stop. And that made me so angry that I didn't think of it first. <laughs> I was infuriated. Patty LaPrius. They said, that's my Patty LaPrius. Stop. It, is it like Patty Lapone or Patty LaBelle? Lapone. I guess Patty Lapone. 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 Lap- <laughs> I was okay. like, cut the mics. <laughs> Let's talk Patty. <laughs> well, you saw her. You saw her in company. I did. Magic. Magic. I'm so jealous. And you're going to see know. Funny Girl, too. Well, that's a community theater production. I'm oh, wait, it is. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so Patty won't be making an appearance there. But... I was like, crazy. You're, you might see Julie Banco. You could see Leah Michelle. No, you're going to go to. <laughs> no, I'm going to see, like, my cabaret middle dinner theater dance teacher. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Good, good. Okay. I feel a little bit better about that now. Yeah. So I'm happy that you're familiar with the truck. Um, I was not, but yes, a silver Ford F-150. Um, but this is the last time that anyone actually sees Brandon in person, right, when he leaves Ladessa. So he gets on the road, but by 12.30 a.m., so it's technically August 9th at this point, um, he ends up calling Kyle, who's his brother, and lets him know that he ran out of gas, and he's pulled over on Route 277, somewhere between San Angelo and Bront, Texas. Uh, so during that call, this is the first inclination that something's a little wrong because Brandon starts um, claiming that there are three men who are chasing him out of town and he was making accusations saying that it was a Mexican gang and they were running him out of town. But it was, it didn't seem to make sense. It, it just like wasn't lining up and his brother actually suspected that he might've been on something because he was speaking kind of nonsensically. Um, But Brandon was insistent. He said, no. He was like, I am being followed. I'm being chased. And I'm pulled over because I ran out of gas here. But they're coming up. Like, they're going to be coming up soon. Um, 
so he's insistent upon that, but his, you know, his brother jumps into action. He's actually home with his wife and his four-year-old at this time. So he heads over to Brandon and Ladessa's place where he can get like a fuel canister and he's going to make his way over to Brandon up this highway. So over the next 20 minutes, Kyle kept getting a hold of Brandon on the phone to try to like talk to him, figure out what was going on. But it was strange because Brandon couldn't really seem to hold a conversation. Like he, he wouldn't speak for more than like a couple of sentences and then he would drop the call Kyle calls back, Brandon is talking about something else, and then drops the call again, and it's all kind of playing into this theory that Kyle's like, he's he's on something, like, he's gotta be. Um, but, you know, he continues to make his way over there. It's not gonna be long before he can get to Brandon, maybe like 20-some-odd minutes at this point, or another 30, 45. So it's around this time that we know that something occurred uh, after that 20-minute mark, because within that window, he's calling his brother, but then, for unknown reasons... Brandon gets out of his truck and sprints off the highway in the dark in the middle of the night into the brush or the woods, as he described it. And we don't know why. So whether or not he encountered someone is the conversation here, but there's never been any evidence that he did. So by 12.50 a.m., Brandon makes his first call to 911 where he tells the operators to send police. And this is the call that everybody focuses on because it's recorded and it's haunting to listen to. So when you listen to the call, you can tell he's, he's out like, in the open somewhere. He's no longer in a car. He's on foot. You hear things in the background. You hear wind, and he's running. The guy is out of breath. And he claims that he's running through a field past woods. And it seems pretty clear to me that I think there's someone in the distance, in the background. I'm pretty sure you can hear someone yell, protect yourself. And people have said you can hear a shot in the background. And he starts talking about um, – it's, it's really difficult to make out what he's saying because his accent is so thick. It's almost impossible. But people have agreed that what he says is, like, I ran into them. I, I There's no talking to him. Like, kind of like there's no making sense of, like, mm-hmm. trying to reason with them. Uh, and he's, I think he says that they shot another guy is what he says. And he also uses the word um, uh, staper, which I think is a southern slang for state trooper. Which also plays into this, yeah, this also runs into a theory of, you know, were police involved and Mm -hmm. why? Um, But it was interesting that Brandon clearly felt like he was in danger and this was serious enough that he would call and ask for police because Brandon actually had a felony warrant out for his arrest for possession or drug-related crimes. So he he knew that this was life or death at this point. Um. And at the very end of the call, this is the most chilling part about listening to this call. And hopefully maybe we can play it on here. I wasn't, I didn't Mm -hmm. have it teed up or anything, but he says something very, very, very hushed on the phone because he stopped speaking and the the operator's like, hello, hello. And he just goes, help me. (gasps) Yeah. It's, and then the call cuts after that. So this is what's strange to me. The call came in at 12.50, right? And it lasts roughly about a minute, I would say. Like, probably no more than 60 seconds to maybe two minutes. By 12.56, a trucker who's driving along the same highway calls 911 and reports Brandon's pickup truck because it's kind of parked haphazardly on the highway. Like, it's it's almost horizontal across the road. What's interesting about that is that it's probably just five to six minutes after this initial call from Brandon comes into 911, but this trucker never reported seeing any cars trucks or anything that would indicate that anyone was out there but brandon very strange and then what's even weirder is that between twelve fifty to one fifteen a.m um brandon receives and makes several calls you know he talks to his brother he tries calling the girlfriend calls his neighbor calls 911 several other times but the service is really bad he can't get a hold of anybody um and he, he's just out in the middle of nowhere at this point but then sometime after that, around 1.19 a.m., all calls start going to voicemail, and we don't, we've never found his phone. But I do think that's strange. One, about the truck passing in that, like, I don't know, five-minute window and not reporting anything else, but it's really not long after that that his brother actually arrives as well, and as do the troopers. So, let's see. I think the cops arrive by exactly one Right? So that's even stranger, I think, that trucker passes at 1256, sees nothing, cops are there by one, they see nothing, they find the truck immediately, because again, it's parked in this odd way, and the brother's mm-hmm. there by 110. So the brother's there with the truck, 
He's confused, can't get a hold of Brandon. He's talking to the police and they can't locate him anywhere. But then finally does get a hold of Brandon at exactly 1.18 a.m. And this is the last time they're ever going to talk on the phone. This is what is said that really, really freaks me out. And I can't get over it. And every time I tell this story, people, people lose their shit over this. So they get on the phone and his brother's like, Brandon, like the cops are here. Like, where are you? Like, we can't find you anywhere. You know, we see your truck. Are you in the woods or something? And Brandon says, what do you mean? I can see you. I'm right here. He's nowhere around. Like, and they're like, so what do you mean you're right here? He's like, we're looking in every direction. You're not, he goes, I'm right here. Call cuts. No calls are received after that. Goes straight to voicemail. So his brother tells this to the police and the cops don't really know what to do. And they're, they're like, well, you know, we have to wait around and possibly tow the car. His brother's like, I'm going to drive up the road a little bit. So his brother gets in the car and he starts driving um, to try to wait for Brandon. Maybe he's in a different location from the car or from the truck rather. Um, but he never finds him. He just waits for like a good 30, 45 minutes and then finally makes his way back to the truck where police have actually left at that point for whatever reason. And the brother just leaves the canister of gas on the truck, assuming that Brandon was for some reason trying to hide from police or, or, you know, wanted to evade law enforcement because he had that warrant, but he doesn't think anything sinister has really gone on at this point. Mm -hmm. So the brother leaves. Um, This is roughly like 2 a.m. or probably 2.30 at this point, but then doesn't really sleep, you know, waits up and comes back at 5 a.m. just to make sure like Brandon got the gas, Brandon got out of there and like stayed with his father. Truck is still there by 5 a.m gas is untouched every uh, belongings are still in the car the truck brandon was never found so by 8 a.m they have the truck towed and subsequent search efforts would assume or yeah be assembled by the end of the week and they never found brandon after that completely vanished it has been nine full years and they had never made a break in this case until this year 2022 um when a private search party because they had assembled them yearly possibly by biannually actually uh, or um several times a year rather and they had initially found clothing like i said which is strange not his cell phone or any of the belongings that he had on him like wallet but just clothing and then eventually a distance from that once they widened the search found his body or what they assumed to be his body there are no further details aside from, you know, what they're doing for testing in July as to whether or not those are his remains or what the manner of death was. But we still don't know what he saw that night or why he thought he saw them and it wasn't them. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if it's this cold brew, but my anxiety has spiked. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God, that when you said that, he said, I'm right here. He's I'm not, right he here. Said, what do you mean? I can see you. I'm right here. I can here. see you. I can see, like he was standing next to them. I know, I know. Oh, and I, I just, I literally, before I came here today, actually I stopped over at, um, <laughs> I stopped over at Bryce's to pick up a box that I told him this story in like two minutes. And I got to that part and his eyes almost fell out of his skull. Oh, he was like, I just got chills. I got chills when you said it. Okay. Gut reaction. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, is it Murphy's Law? That's everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Is that what it is? It might be. I'm, I think that's what it is. Whatever that law is, that's what this feels like. And it's odd because I feel like this is what happens in a lot of these cases where it's like wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Someone's on drugs. Yeah. Like it just, so my gut feeling is that he was maybe possibly under the influence, mm-hmm. but I think that there were external factors and somebody was after him or something really was going on. Okay. So that's what you mean by external factors. Well, yeah. So how do, how do you feel about, no evidence of another truck or another any other people being around though do you think he may have run into somebody in the brush like in the woods 
Well, when you say there were there was nobody else around, I mean, what if they were driving? Like, what if they drove away? Um. Well, that's what I thought too. But I I think the window is too tight because he calls nine one one saying that he's being pursued at twelve fifty. And yeah. then by 12.56 is when the first 911 call comes in from a random person just passing Brandon's truck who reports just the truck, no other cars. So that would have been like I, – I mean, I had assumed that it would have been if someone was following Brandon, they would have been pulled over next to his truck and then gotten out because it sounded like they were on like a, a chase through the woods. And they were just chasing him through the dark of like the, the brush with a gun. But what if there's two – like what if it's a – if it was a gang or something – You've mm-hmm. got a driver, and then you've got the person that's going to get out and chase him. Mm-hmm. They're going to drive that's off. Possible. Yeah, um, that's possible, too. But also, would you really leave your cohort to, like, fend Yeah, like, leave one of your guys out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, then, where is that guy? Because, I mean, he may have just... Yeah, where is that guy? Yeah. Yeah, he was hiding out because nobody ever came back or passed during the, you know, the window that followed from, like, 118 all the way to, like, whenever the brother left. But again, I guess if you saw cops in the distance, you probably wouldn't come back and just assume that one of your guys is, like, hanging out in, in the dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't know. But it's also strange. I mean, of course, they if they could have been chasing him with a gun, who's to say that Brandon wasn't armed himself? I mean, they I, he wasn't. But I, I think, like, that would have been my fear if, if you were pursuing somebody that they would try to fight back or fire back at some point. Especially in Texas, where a lot of people have guns on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. But I, there was never any evidence of, like, one, Brandon's body, but also mm-hmm. any kind of blood or struggle, which is also strange. It really is like he just evaporated after getting out of that truck. Yeah. For a while. And it's, it's even odder that I think they've just now claimed to find him. Because it's like, where was he all that time? Was he placed back there? After That's years kind of what I years. was thinking when you said that, because also, the why would the clothes not be completely deteriorated by now? Nine years yeah. is a long ass time. I know, I know, and like if they were placed, that kind of makes me think that he was placed there, like his remains, and they had maybe plate saved his clothes and placed them there to make it seem, yeah, like, but they kind of like you know just absent knowledge of forensics they probably shot themselves in the foot because it would be very obvious to an examiner like these clothes would be gone or they wouldn't be off his body or they wouldn't be you know they would be ripped or it could have been a number of things but we don't know yet we're we're like right in like the early stages of the find so we have no idea what's going to come of this or if it's even brandon's body which is even stranger Oh my gosh, we have to report back when they start to uncover stuff. Oh, yeah. It's funny because all the podcasts that covered this like years and years and years ago, they're all now doing update podcasts. And they're like, new find, new find. I bet. They also, they just did a huge um, thing on this at CrimeCon, which I had never heard of before. Why aren't we invited? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's the biggest true crime convention in the U.S. and it's held in Orlando. (laughs) Ah! (gasps) We should be there. We should be there. We should be doing panels. Absolutely. 100%. Orlando, I'll, I'll see what the I city can, of dreams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to management, see what we can swing. <laughs> That'd be so fun. But yeah, CrimeCon. Um, I think they had a whole panel specifically on Brandon because I think we just missed it. And it happened this summer, like this August. And they were talking a lot about this find because it's such a well-known case within these circles. But it just, it, it just still doesn't add up. Like, I, and I really don't even know if I buy that he was on something. So he was supposed to have been six months sober at this point. And I think Ladessa, his, his longtime girlfriend actually retracted her statement saying that she thought he was on drugs and that maybe it was just like a point in the argument to like try to get the upper hand or she was mad at him because he seemed coherent enough or like she was going to allow him to like go drive. You know what I mean? His father didn't report that he sounded off. Do you think, I don't know, the the same, I forget which case it was. Um, well, maybe it was Brandon Swanson where yeah. you kind of uh, retract things once you know that somebody's gone because you yeah. want to make it not sound. Like you um, made the bad decision. Like, yeah, like you made yeah. the bad decision or you don't, you want to preserve 
their legacy and memory and not have it be, yeah, he died because he was like, hi, I'm doing meth. Yeah, you know what I no, mean? that makes sense. I mean, I, it's, especially if you got three kids. Four, actually. Oh, four, four, four. Oh New, yeah, he had a newborn at home at the time. I think so much of what the family is focused on now is trying to find closure because they had mm-hmm. never found him up until this point. So they may receive it, but we still don't 100% know, even if, you know, they do find those remains, if they're going to be able to tell how he died. But I could definitely see a scenario where Ledessa may have um, wanted to revisit the story in a different light to preserve Brandon's legacy. Because um, that is a big part of their family and that community there now is like remembering Brandon Swanson. Or sorry, Brandon Lawson. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get confused so at similar. some point. Incredibly similar. Um, how old was Brandon Swanson? He was 19. Okay, yeah. And Lawson's 26. So still like young, you know? Yeah. But let me actually run you through the official theories and some of the evidence that we have that supports one over the other. I really wish I had a way. I'm so stupid. I should have teed up the the 911 call for you to listen to it. I don't know how to do it so that you can listen. Is it on listen. YouTube? It's on YouTube, but I feel like if you listen to it right now, the audience won't get to listen to it. I don't know how to. I don't know how to but make what, those. What if I play it on my cell phone and then went over like by the microphone? Okay, try that. Yeah, do Let's that. See. Okay. It's actually a really smart fix that I did not think of. That's what I'm here for. Actually, if you care to look it up, you can look it up on Creep Time's YouTube channel because I have yes. his 911 call and I have it um I have the whole thing with captions written. Okay. Um It's bone chilling when you're going to hear it. It's really it's really something. But you're going to have to read the screen for sure because it's very very difficult to make out what he's saying. Those accents are thick. Okay, here we go. Unsolved disappearance. Brandon Lawson. Understand. Does it say outer bound? <laughs> Are we about to give free an, promo? We have an ad. We have an ad. Wait, so I have two. I do a full deep dive, but I also have just the 911 call. That one's only a minute long. Oh, you long. do? Yeah. Okay, hold on, hold on. That one may not even okay. be monetized, to be honest. Okay, I don't see it. I hope I still have it up. Is it on my, my channel, my main channel? I'm on your main channel right now, and I just see the... Brandon you know where Lawson. I am? I'm in the corner watching you kiss kiss her. We were slap happy as hell on the way to the Sequoias and we wouldn't stop singing that in the car. <laughs> oh my gosh. Losing it's... our minds. I know. Losing our minds. Okay. I didn't know I it was just... Robin. I thought it was Madonna. You didn't know it was Robin? No. I thought it was Madonna. <laughs> oh my gosh. She said your name. <laughs> That sensor button. She's a friend of mine. I know. I know. Um, Wait, so you still didn't find it? Let me see if I can pull it up. That might be. I better. can. I found like a random person's YouTube. That's Brandon Lawson nine one one call. Clear audio and text. Try that. It's fifty five seconds long. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Push it up to the mic, and we will all give a listen to okay. the call. Average guy. You know, he's the father of four children. Is that me? Nine, two. <laughs> was that at the very end he goes help me let me actually so i know that was probably extremely hard to make out what he was saying i'm gonna read um the captions for it just so or what is what are assumed to be you know the captions for what he said give me one sec i will pull up my video i'm just gonna mute it i'm gonna read slowly i hope i don't hit an ad on my own video i might that's what you get. Just just add into the pocket. <laughs> okay, so 911 emergency, she says. And then he goes, yes, I'm in the middle of a field. If they could just bring some guys over. 
right here over towards Albaline on Bront side, like, cause he was right outside of um, Bront, Texas. Mm-hmm. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here and guys chasing me through the woods. Please hurry. Um, and then it goes to this 911 dispatcher. She says, okay, now run that by me one more time. <laughs> and then you hear, you faintly hear a voice maybe in the background say, get up in the distance. And then he goes, I tried talking to him. Ah, I totally ran into him. And she goes, ah, you ran into him. Okay. And then you hear again in the background, protect yourself and possibly a shot. He goes, shot the first guy. That's when you hear the shot. And then he goes, I got shot possibly. And she goes, do you need an ambulance? He goes, yeah, no, I need the cops. And then she goes, okay, is anybody hurt? And then, like you remember hearing just now in that call, everything kind of goes silent for a minute. And she goes, hello, hello. And if you listen very, very closely to the end of it, you almost hear him say, help me in a whisper. And that's the end of the call. Spooky. Oh my gosh. Wait, can I play the last 10 seconds again? Yeah, absolutely. When he says, help me. Hold on, because I have my headphone in and I can't quite hear it. Hold on. Oh my gosh. You heard that. Help. <gasps> right? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Chills down my damn spine. <gasps> oh my gosh. I heard I'm it gonna, that time. I did not yeah. hear it the first time. No, no, no. You, you really do need a guide to like listen to what it is he's saying. I'm going to send you my video after this um, so you okay. can watch it with the, the full text um, captioned out because it's, it's haunting. But the theories behind that are kind of all over the place because again, like you, you possibly hear something in the background. So one of the first theories that people cling to is the theory of murder. Um, and that theory suggests that Brandon of course was not hallucinating or even if he was under the influence of something, there were several people after him potentially for some kind of a drug debt, maybe since we knew he had issues with that back in San Angelo, we know there's a a high crime rate there, um, a higher drug rate. Um, But the theory is kind of mostly rooted in, one, the absence of the body, but two, the potential of hearing somebody in the background of the 911 call. The major kink in that story that I was talking about earlier is that we have no evidence that there was anybody there at the time that he called 911 because we don't see another car. We don't see signs of a struggle. I think the remainder of his belongings were left inside his car, so nobody ransacked the car if they wanted money. Um... And yeah, within like a 10-minute window, actually less than a 10-minute window, um, police are already on the scene. So I find that difficult to believe just because it's such a tight it's such a tight timeline to think that like the chase happened, they got him and got the body and either got out of there or hid by the time police arrived at one. It's possible, but it just seems like somebody somebody would have been caught in that instance, or there would have been some evidence of something that was found right. that night, later that week, but there wasn't. I wish I could find the person, the random person, um, the trucker who had passed his truck so I could hear more about like their witness account because they're, mm-hmm. they're really just labeled as like an anonymous contributor to this case because they were the first person who saw his truck to call 911, but... No one's ever said um, anything more about them, and like if they saw anything unusual or saw like lights in the woods, or also it's you got it's like pitch black, like yeah, terrifying. I was thinking to myself that if he was being chased, and if these people were trying to get him for a drug debt or something, that the mm-hmm. I don't know, like that the truck would have been. The windows might have been smashed or, like, something. I don't know. It just seems so bizarre that when they found the truck, no sign of Yeah, completely anything. unharmed. Like, it's, it's as if he just, like, pulled off horizontally and just hopped out. Well, it's also possible. So a lot of people cling to the story and they talk about trafficking, which I thought was interesting because it's very seldom that mm-hmm. we talk about stories of, like, young men being trafficked. Um but this theory suggests that it could have been the same people that we're suspecting if it was a gang or people he had a drug debt to. And 
a lot of times, you know, it's not worth it to just kill someone. You can actually sell them off in, in this scenario is the idea. I think I, I've watched a lot of Euphoria and I've watched um, oh, yeah. a lot of shows like that where it's not lucrative for the person that you may owe money to for them to just take you out. It's more lucrative for them to do something even darker and have you sold off, even if you're a man or a woman. Um, <clears throat> so I did some research on this and what I found was that Sex trafficking internationally, it accounts for like 25% of cases, which I didn't know um, for men. But if you listen back to that call, and like we don't definitively know what he said, we just have like inklings, but it's possible at one point it almost sounds like got picked up by some guys. So I ran myself through this other scenario. I'm like, okay, what if he runs out of gas? There were people who followed up behind him. Maybe he wasn't being chased or he was paranoid. His judgment was impaired because he was on something. But then he hitchhiked, or like they saw he was out of gas, so they pulled over. He got in their car anyway, so got picked up by some guys. Then something goes wrong because they had bad intentions to, you know, rob him, traffic him, do whatever they were going to do to him. But then he gets out or somehow get, gets them to stop the car and just start sprinting through the woods. So then they drive off the remainder of them, and one guy has to go pursue him, or a couple of guys have to pursue him. It's possible. But again, it's a lot to go down within that 10-minute window before police get there. But when does the call to his brother happen? After this 911 call? Yes. Yeah. So the 911 okay, call... Okay, that blows my mind. Yeah. 911 call is 1250. Police arrive by 1. Brother's there by 110. Final call to his brother is 118. No calls after that. He did say he was bleeding on the phone when he was talking to his brother. He said, I'm bleeding. And that's when his brother goes, where are you? And he goes, I can see you. I'm right here. <sighs> Makes no sense. But also the absence of blood, too, if he really was bleeding. I mean, unless that was in his head. We don't know. And also, if, okay, if there were other people involved, don't you think they would have taken his cell phone? So he couldn't make another call. Oh, yeah. Or at least, I mean, why did it is either damaged or it was intentionally turned off because it stopped receiving calls after 118. So somebody found him or he lost the phone and it got damaged in water. I don't know what could have happened, but or something's died, wrong with that maybe. phone. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, something was wrong with that phone after 118. It, it is odd that it was never found because... Animals don't go after that. You know, that's not going to be, like, You're scattered right. off somewhere. That's just going to be found near a tree line or something. Odd. This is so bizarre. It makes almost no sense. And a lot of people really, like, go into other theories because of those final words. They talk about, like, different dimension, different portal. Like, they go really into, like, the paranormal stuff. Wow. Yeah. But there is another theory. I mean, if we're still assuming that somebody else was involved. A lot of people have talked about the cop conspiracy that, you know, after that 911 call came in, which again, we don't have full details on or who that person was. Police are the first to arrive and there was a warrant for Brandon. But I don't see a version of this story where they would have enough of an incentive to do something shady and like kill him, capture him. Mm -hmm. But also cops stuck around even after the brother got there too. You know what I mean? The only reason people cite this is because he says staper, you know, state trooper. Mm -hmm. so they say, was he picked up by a state trooper? And then something went off. And then maybe pursued that way. And then it was all just a cover up. Unless there was another set of cops that were involved. But I don't think so. everything from the report and like radio evidence of what was called in at the time, who pursued it, who was the first on the scene. It all seemed to check out. I think people talk about this because... There is a lot of criticism for the, pol the county police that handled this. And I think about a week later, or maybe even after, um, there is this article that comes out in a local newspaper um, that kind of gives like this odd glowing review to the officers that handled this, specifically to the sheriff that handled this. And it's talking about mm. like they did everything they could. There were no poor decisions made that night. The only poor decision was that of Brandon Lawson when he you know, engaged with drugs. It's, it's like a scathing, unnecessary depiction of how the night went down that tries to frame the story in a positive light that like police did everything they could mm -hmm. but <laughs> come to learn 
that publication is not only owned by the county sheriff, but his wife runs it. So <gasps> tell me you can't trust county. You can't. You cannot trust county police. <laughs> just cannot trust Okay. Them. Hold on. So in the article, they say they mention that they believe he was on drugs. Yeah, no, they definitely try to skew it. They were like, he was clearly under the influence of something. They actually try to frame it like he he didn't even die. They're like, he may have just run out of his family. Like, they try to spin the story like police did everything they could that night to try to get Brandon Lawson home, and they couldn't find That's him. so irresponsible of them to publish yeah. that now. It's just in, like, very, it's very, it's in, like, not only poor taste, but it just feels kind of dark to, like, ride off such a tragedy uh, as a way to like i don't know <laughs> give yourself like a boost in a, a local publication it's just odd and kind of skeevy. yeah well it doesn't matter if you're under the influence if you're you know of course it's awful nobody even if you're under the influences deserves to die get murdered exactly. for some horrific you know wrong place wrong time situation wow that yeah. is in County police just in poor taste. Yeah, well, um, I think it, it might have been a response because there was a lot of like early criticism because police actually refused to start the search in that initial week. It took until the end of the week to assemble the search. Oh, that is, is awful. Yeah, so a lot of it was like county police dropped the ball. They don't care. This is a very impoverished area, so they don't want to re- like waste resources on it. And that was some, that's like very critical time. You know, the first twenty four hours that anybody goes missing under any circumstance, let alone something as strange as this, yeah, that's a critical time to look for them, especially in that area. And it took them a full week to get it going. So, but if we don't side with any of those—that it was murder, it was cop conspiracy, or a trafficking scenario, what we're left with is that Brandon really was hallucinating because he was under the influence of something, which lines up with them not finding any evidence of anyone else. But if that is the case, where is his body at this time? Could it really have just been missed in like search efforts year after year? How far could he have gone? Do you know how far away this like potential body that they found is from the car? I was under the impression from what I was reading, because this is relatively new news, and it was actually, the story kind of broke on the official, like, family page that they run for him, like, find Brandon mm-hmm. Lawson, or, like, remembering Brandon Lawson, and it was within the radius of, like, the, the normal, like, search parameters that they've been looking at year after year, in the same way that, like, the family of Mara Murray goes every year to search for her in the same area, knowing that they probably won't find her in that area, because they've done it so many times, but it's kind of like, um, it's a way to remember her. You know? Yeah. And do something as a family because it feels proactive. Right. But yeah, I think this was found like in the same area they've seen year after year, which is strange. Well, also, I don't think it's a coincidence that I think it could be possible. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the search started late. Mm -hmm. The police didn't really seem to care about, you know, his uh, well-being legacy. Yeah, his well-being or preserving any sort of positive legacy for him and Mm -hmm. third you mentioned this is a really high crime rate area they're probably like we got bigger fish to fry like that's kind of what i think Mm -hmm. is so disturbing sort of for high crime rate areas that are rural especially is like something like this unfortunately almost has to like with a small police force i imagine and rural police force has to take kind of like a back seat or just not hold the weight it normally would because they're dealing with so much crime. Yeah. No, I think they may have actually used the actual phrase. We have bigger fish to fry at some point. I don't know if that was something like a, just mm-hmm. an off color comment they mentioned to Ladessa when she was giving a statement yeah. to the brother, but they said something along those lines. They were like, we've got way, way bigger problems going on outside mm-hmm. of like, like Braun, Texas. Like if he comes back, he comes back kind of thing, which is why they left, you know, they left the scene and it was his brother who really stuck around or came back at 5 a.m. And that's when everything seemed to go wrong, wrong. They were like, oh, he's, yeah. he's not coming back. We don't know where he is. I think it's, In that, a, yeah. I, well, I was going to say, I think there's a version of this where maybe he was pursued and he was really being chased. Because well, how do you feel about that 911 call? Do you think he sounded coherent and lucid? Or do you think he was, do you think he wasn't making sense? I think he sounded panicked and i for Mm -hmm. sure obviously 
I don't think he sounded fully uh, coherent. Like Fully coherent. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty good with accents. And even I was sort of like... Um, like I mean, it, ju- it sounded... Yeah, it just sounded jumbled. Um, like jumbled thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and panicked. So it's almost as if... Uh, I don't know. Like, a part of me thinks that... Uh, Maybe when the high starts wearing off or, like, if it becomes too strong or something, that mm-hmm. operating machinery, like, driving, you're like, oh, crap. Like, I shouldn't be driving right now. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of just coming up with scenarios in my no, head. No, but... I mean, I, I think about the times that I've called 911 in the past, and, and I've always been sober when I've called 911, but... I was going to say, what are you about to say? <laughs> yeah, no, I've always been sober when I've called 911 in the past um, for whatever emergency, but the way that I will catch myself, the way that I speak is very much like this phone call where like random thoughts are like flowing Mm -hmm. out of your mouth because you're trying to piece together what is the vital information they need to send the right kind of help. That's true. I called 911 like literally when I was home because I started a fire. Yeah. And you know what I'm forgetting um, is that he had warrants, like he was a felon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's very uh, terrifying to have to call and knowing that it's a last resort for you. Um, oh, yeah. He, whatever he was experiencing, whether it was real or not, or you know, yeah. just in his head, it was very, it felt very dire to him. You know, it was worth it to get caught, to get to go to jail on a felony charge versus stay out there and be pursued by whatever he mm-hmm. thought he was being pursued by. Mm-hmm. When you listen to that call, do you think you can hear anything in the background? Or is it too hard? You probably have to listen with headphones on to really get the full yeah, effect. Yeah, I probably... The other odd thing, you said that there's gunshots in that call? I think I think you can hear a shot in the background. Um, but what I think is more clear is hearing someone in the back say, get up and protect yourself. Okay, I need to listen to it again because I didn't, for some reason it didn't sound like gunshots to me. Um, it's muff- it's, it's overlapped by him headphones. saying something. Him, He says okay. something over it um, where he says, another guy got shot. And you hear a gunshot while he's saying that. And then he says, I got shot. Probably not in that moment, but that he was running through the woods bleeding. It was, I think, the story that he's, like, telling at that point. Yeah. Well, if there's gunshots clearly in the call. It's not, it's somebody not, has it's to... not clear. I don't know. Yeah. I can't tell. Oh. It's just too, it's too muffled. It's too staticky. Wait. Okay. Here's the other thing that's so strange. If you got shot, mm-hmm. wouldn't you be like, ah, like freaking out because you just got shot? I don't think he got shot on the call. I think he was saying another guy got shot and he was saying, because I think he had already been shot and was running through the woods with the wound. And he was okay. just saying, I got shot. But while that's happening, there's gunfire going off with like, like aimless gunfire. Like someone's trying to find him through the dark. But apparently they would lo- they lost him because he's still alive by 118. So we think. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot of people say that was a call from beyond the grave. <laughs> like, we really have to do. We have to do a paranormal case. I won't have anything, but we need to do it. I know. At some point. I need one. Oh God! I, there are some spooky ones out there. Um, but the, yeah, the phone call of saying, "I can see you. I'm right here." We haven't talked about because I don't know how to explain that miscommunication of maybe he was like hiding in the brush and he was like i can see you like i'm right here like just come to me kind of thing because he didn't want to get caught by police yeah it's not the way the brother described it though i've I've listened to interviews with the brother he was like it was confusing because like i was with the police like we were talking with the police and he said it out loud to all of us i can see you i'm right here Uh, did he unless he was still hallucinating and he thought he was thought he did see them oh my gosh but even if that's the case how did he die exposure like what kind of exposure though just cold maybe i don't know does it how cold does it get i was just saying texas Texas. (laughs) yeah texas well hold on in august year was this oh august yeah (laughs) i don't know deserts get pretty cold at night but Maybe just dehydration. Maybe he injured himself, was bleeding out. I don't know. I'm very, very intrigued to hear what this medical examination comes up with when they release the results of that. It's going to be fascinating. Can you imagine if they find a gunshot wound? That would be insane. In the bone 
we'll have to revisit all of this because I don't know how we'll explain that. How do we explain the absence of the car? How do we explain no evidence of a struggle? Like, what? <laughs> also, I don't know much about methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. Do you hallucinate? Like, that's a pretty frequent side effect of, like, the high. I don't know either, actually. And I... I'm reluctant to say, but I, I do know people who have struggled with substance abuse who have struggled yeah. with meth. Um, and I don't know if that's ever something that I remember being mentioned. Shall we do some live some live research for the pod? I'm just so confused. Yeah, I'm trying to... I just didn't remember. His brother did confirm while on the phone with him that he... Not only did he think that Brandon might have been on something but he he said that prior to brandon's disappearance he was not fully clean he was yeah using meth meth induced psychosis okay so it seems Mm. like it was pretty pretty uh common yeah probably i mean especially if you're under a lot of stress you're overworked doing a 60 hour work week you've got an infant at home you're not sleeping yeah it would make sense i mean it's possible he could have he may have even died from an OD. That's true. That's absolutely true. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just, I just can't wrap my mind around, like, unless it was truly, like, poor, poor search efforts in the following, like, weeks to months to years that they've been going back, that the body has been there the entire time and they have just never found him. But even if so, I don't understand the clothes being off the body, the absence of the cell phone. It's very I'll weird be so me. interested to to hear how close the body is to the car. That's really what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. I hadn't thought about like if he runs off into the brush, but like runs up the direction of the highway, so he's not immediately near um, where the truck was found. It mm-hmm. could have been that he was like, "I see you," but it's from a distance, kind of thing. And then his phone dies. The brother ends up leaving. Because he assumes Brandon's just going to make his way back to the truck. Well, I guess that kind of ruins that theory because if he saw them, of course he would see the truck and he would see the gas can that was left. Yeah. I don't know. So the brother leaves the gas can because he thinks my brother is scared to come here because of the cops. I'll yeah, leave he thinks the gas like, so he now. can get home. Yeah, exactly. And he, he even comes back at five to check just to make sure that he got home okay. What in the world? I know. I don't know if I would. I would be able to sleep. <laughs> Honestly, I know. That, that. that's what <laughs> seems so bizarre. Um. And again, it could just be a situation where you know people make poor decisions like that or bad judgment calls when they don't assume the worst for things, which right. they later they later regret and you know may even realize in the moment that they're regretting making that decision, but it's just too late. I just find it strange that, like, because at that point, what was it, like, 2, 2.30 in the morning, he comes back at 5, that Brandon could have died within a three-hour window, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's all just very quick and strange. Yeah. I've got to know. I have to know about those results. I should, I should do some, like, really deep digging. I should get a hold of, like, <laughs> family, the medical office. You should. But that's really all we know at this point. We don't even know if those are his remains. They may not be. Could you... How would... Would you lose your f***ing mind if we found out those were not his remains? But they found his clothes? I would stroke out. That 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 would feel to me very uh, premeditated. Like somebody's oh. trying to screw with somebody. Yeah, someone's leaving trails or like doing but something why fishy. why nine years later? I don't know. I don't know. That's the mystery behind it. What does his wife think happened? Has she ever spoken out? The girlfriend, Ladessa. Um, girl, yeah, girlfriend. she's she's spoken out. Um, common law marriage, basically. They've been 10 years yeah. they were together. 16 to 26, which is wild. Um, I don't actually know what her take is on it. I think that most of what she's said publicly is just about wanting closure, to be honest, and closure for the kids. Because um, some of them, I think, were... I don't know how old the oldest was, but I think they were old. One of them, or at least one or two, were old enough to understand like what had happened. Mm-hmm. That dad had just gone missing. 
but right now, I think she released a statement because they found those remains that they are presumed to be Brandon's. It's been really hard for the kids to process. Because, I mean, it's one thing, and it's haunting for a parent to go missing, but it's, it's really haunting, I think, for, like, a parent to be found all those years yeah. later. It's, it's a lot. Absolutely. It's a lot to process. It's heavy. So I feel for them. I feel for the family. Um, but I don't know how she feels about, like, what might have happened to Brandon. What the family's consensus is is that this was not of his doing. Like, he would never – because a lot of people said, like, even the cops said he just ran out on his family. He was a drug addict. He ran out on his family. He was afraid of, like, felony warrants, and, like, he just mm-hmm. ditched his truck and, like, is living somewhere homeless or something. And this family was like, no. Yes, he had a substance abuse issue, but he was also working full-time, working overtime, and, like, loved his kids. And, of course, couples fight, and they have, you know, quarrels, but it, it wouldn't make sense, especially since he made a plan with his father to go stay in Crowley, Texas, I think it was called, that night. Mm-hmm. I wonder where the father comes into this because the father never seemed to like follow up that night to be like, Brandon never came here. Mm-hmm. Strange. I don't know if we should go visit Bront, Texas, but I would, however, go visit um, Brandon Swanson's field in, was it Minnesota? Marshall, Minnesota. Yes. State Highway 68. Yeah. We should walk. I would absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we should, should walk, walk that. Walk the trail. Yeah. People do. People do. It's the same thing as Diatla Pass to try to understand like the footing of like where you would go, what you encounter and like where your logic goes of like, oh, okay, well, if this fence is here, I'm going to walk around this side or like I'm going to climb that. I don't know. Really interesting. When you do come to LA, I cannot wait to take you to all the haunted spots, but I'm scared of some of them, to be honest. I don't want to go to some of them. I'm so excited. Well, you know that I'll drag you into all these places. <laughs> it is it is slightly buttoned, I suppose, if those end up being his remains. And they will find out what happened to him. And that will either put this to bed, you know, as to whether or not Brandon was hallucinating or something went down. Yeah. He met people. But with oh that, I think we can finally conclude the case of Brandon Lawson. Not to be conclude or to be confused with Brandon Swanson. <laughs> right. Um, we will dig into another case next week. I'm trying to think of what would be good. Should I do one from LA? We could do Elisa Lamb, but I really, really wanted to wait until you were in here in LA so we could go to the Cecil. Yeah. Well, wait, let's wait. Okay. I'll find something in the meantime. Maybe I will do something like Sharon Tate. We'll see. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I love Sharon Tate. I know you love Sharon Tate. All right, well, (laughs) we will say goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu, and we will catch you on another one. Bye, everybody.